This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. The first scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all who live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the human race. The second reading comes from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You would please stand. 
as we read from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I used to hate preaching on Trinity Sunday because I'd have to explain, or I should say try to explain, what seems to be the unexplainable. And I knew more than one pastor who would conveniently take a little vacation right around Trinity Sunday and make the, uh, the fill-in person try to explain things. Because we get wrapped up in language of the three in one and the one in three. Three persons, one God, in three substances. Of, and before long, it sounds like you're spouting calculus or particle physics in a way that, well, yes, the math adds up, but there's no good way to explain it. Not that we've ever been at a loss for trying. In fact, the church subscribes to three creeds. The Apostles' Creed, which you hear very often. Most often when we have worship, we recite the Apostles' Creed. The Nicene Creed, which is a little bit longer, which we pull out on special occasions, Easter, Christmas. And then, <laughs> the Athanasian Creed. How many of you have ever read the Athanasian Creed? Raise your hand. I used to punish my congregation once a year by making them read the Athanasian Creed, the whole thing, and I may do that next year, so you better be good. It is 660 words of seeming gobbledygook, most of which revolves around trying to define and clarify the Trinity. Why is it so hard? Well, one of the reasons might be that most of our theology was developed by lawyers. Martin Luther was a lawyer. Tertullian was a lawyer. The Apostle Paul was a lawyer. And as such, they were very good at lawyerly language, the language of carefully defining, carefully separating, trying to cover all the legal angles so that no one can come in later and find a loophole. In short, trying to make it clear. But I have long since learned that 
if I have any superpower, it's the superpower of confusion. Because I've oftentimes found that the harder I try to be clear about something, the more I seem to muddy the waters. And so I oftentimes have to step back and try to find a simpler way to say what it is I'm trying to get across. On the one hand, the Trinity seems to be so complex. Uh, how many of you went, went through catechism? Do you remember that diagram that they would usually trot out when they talked about the Trinity? It was a little circular thing. It had God in the middle and then Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it had all these arrows and connections going back and forth saying the Father is the Son, but the Son is not the Father. And, and it, it would rotate around and, and it was horrifically static and horrifically confusing. One of the reasons it's confusing is that the Trinity is never spelled out in Scripture. It's hinted at in Scripture, but the Holy Trinity is a doctrine of the church. It's a teaching of the church. It's the way we have come up to describe the, the way we've developed to describe the God that we encounter in Scripture and in our lives. The only problem is, once you define something like that, like a castle made out of sand, the doctrine needs a whole lot of shoring up and patching because it's constantly getting pushed and pulled by our further experiences of God. On the one hand, the Trinity is horrendously complex, as numerous theologians will tell you who tried over the years to explain what it's all about. But on the other hand, it's horrifically or wonderfully simple. Because all the Trinity is, is the, the telling of the story of our encounter of God. The disciples were all good Jews. And as good Jews, they ascribed to their creed of faith, which was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. They knew who the one God was. They knew who God the Father was. But then this rabbi Jesus came along. And he started doing things and saying things that disturbed them and forced them to open up to perhaps a new understanding of how God worked in the world. And indeed, he said and did things that didn't seem to be possible for any mere mortal person to do. And when he finally rose from the dead on Easter and appeared to the disciples, they had to make room for another experience of God. They had experienced God in this Jesus of Nazareth. And so they had to develop a new way of talking of God, of, of God. Not just God the Father, but now God 
as the Son. But then, before Jesus was crucified, he had talked to them about sending them a spirit, a Holy Spirit, sending them someone to intercede for them, to inspire them, to teach them, sending them wisdom. And doggone it, if that spirit didn't show up at Pentecost, suddenly the room was filled with a rushing wind and, and, and flames of fire, and they experienced God in yet another way. And so once again their ideas were scrambled and they had to expand their understanding to include their experience of God as Father, their experience of God as Son, their experience of God as Holy Spirit. And so in that sense, the Trinity is as simple as can be. It is just simply the experience of God. The problem is when we try to take a snapshot, when we try to say this is the definitive picture of God, we instantly run into trouble because God never seems to be static. God never seems to stand still. God seems forever to be coming to us in new ways and with new experiences. Yesterday, um, I, along with many members of the congregation, participated in the Pride Parade, Jody Jin, Woo! visual aid. We all had on our t-shirts. It was a wonderful experience. It was a powerful experience for me because I don't think as a pastor I have ever felt so welcomed in my life. I've always had some level at which I felt like I had to apologize for who I was because of the various church scandals, because of the way that the church seems to have lost touch with where society is today, because of the ways that the church has found to exclude and to divide. I always felt just a little uncomfortable in my own shoes. But as we participated in this parade, I've never had the experience of like handing out literature and people taking it and taking my hand and saying thank you. They wanted the church there. They wanted the gospel to speak to them. And if you think this is a motley crew, that crew who had gathered along the sides of the street to witness the parade was about as diverse a bunch of people as you are ever going to see in your life. And I found myself once again reflecting on the fact that we are created in the image of God, which apparently is a very diverse image. We are a strange and diverse picture of the deity. So why would we think that there would only be one snapshot 
that accurately depicts our God? Why would it seem strange to us that God would have to be depicted in three persons? Indeed, one of the things we can say for those early theologians was that they tenaciously held on to the idea of the Trinity. They never allowed it to be resolved into one image. They steadfastly held on to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Even if it didn't make sense. Even if they couldn't explain it. The only problem is I think that as institutions always seem to do, we end up worshiping the institution more than what's behind it. And when we remember who this God is who comes to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we remember that God is always dynamic and not static. In fact, the image that I, I chose to put on the cover of the bulletins, I chose that on purpose because it is not static. Just take that, that bulletin and stare at it and just kind of turn it slowly and see what that does to your eyeballs. All of a sudden, those spirals start moving. And because the Western church had so many theologians who were lawyers, we tended to come up with very well-explained static images of God. Whereas in the Eastern church, they tended to hold on to mystery more. And they speak of the Trinity more in relational terms, in poetic terms, in terms like three circles in which the Father embraces the Son and the Spirit, but the Spirit embraces the Father and the Son, but the Son embraces the Father and the Spirit. And it flows in and out and around. And what I like about it is it seems to leave room for God to come here. For God to appear to us not just in three ways, but in countless ways. At the early worship, when, when Eric and Sarah played music in between the readings, all of a sudden I found the Spirit of God descending once again in that music. When I walked in this morning and I saw these wonderful artistic depictions of the Trinity coming together and raining down on us, once again I felt God's presence coming in this. And when I look out at you, I see the presence of God in so many different faces, in so many different persons, yet by God's presence, one substance, one God. And that God chooses as a sign of God's presence, not some precious stone that you can place in your pocket and carry around with you, but bread and wine. Something designed to feed a living being. Something designed to nourish us to live, to act, to be that face of God, that person of God, here in this place and at this time. 
The Trinity is not something that happened long ago that we have to describe to you again and again. The Trinity is something that happens here and now every time we hear the word, every time we eat and drink, every time we gather as God's community. Such that the Trinity ceases to be something that we need to understand and become something that we simply open our arms and receive. Amen.